bless God. Now, I have to uh, first confess that I lied. I said at the start of August that your name had to be Mel to <laughs> preach this month. We've had three Sundays of Mel's. And uh, I was going to lie and say my middle name is Mel, but it is not. <laughs> Actually, my middle name is Lemuel. Oh, it's so close. Flip a few letters. To... Lemuel. <laughs> Lemuel, not Lemuel. Thank you. <laughs> okay, enough from you. Okay. God... <laughs> It's good to be back in church. It's, uh, you know, the, the way uh, where worship, where God just took us in worship, I mean, that hymn, Holy, 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 is really the granddaddy of all hymns. What it says, we will, you know, there are some songs that when we get to heaven, they'll be passed. They won't work anymore because they're about life here and how we relate to him and even good things. But that's one that we'll be able to sing when when we're in heaven. We'll sing it. And, you know, somebody had their finger on the pulse by God's grace to take to get that. Song. I mean, there are some like that. I would say Amazing Grace is one of those where um, John Newton heard something from God. Crown him with many crowns is another one. There are some, and where God just took us and then to follow that by saying he's holy and perfect and glorious and that because of Jesus, we get to share in his holiness There's something, the reality that I'm not going to be in the state I'm currently in forever. Thank God. I I, uh, shared, reposted somebody else's uh, post this week. D.L. Moody said, the person in life that has given me the most trouble far and away is me. I've had people in my life that... You know, we're a challenge, but I know that it's true. The person who's given me the most trouble in my years has been me. And I, I have to deal with him every day, every hour, all the time. And that's to, to think that Jesus has qualified has qualified us to approach God, the perfect holy God, and then not just qualified us to, you know, wipe out our sins, and we're going to talk about that and stand before him, but then to complete what he started in us, like Pastor Mel now, uh, in all the years Pastor Mel has walked with the Lord, and here he's realizing again, my faith needs a renewal. My faith needs a renewal. My faith needs a renewal. That's an encouragement that because of Jesus, though, it, the, it's not over. I'm going forward. God's got a plan to complete what he started in you, in the person next to you and behind you and in front of you and in the people that are away today 
from church, although they're going to have a harder time because of being away. But God's keeping a record of that. I know. No, there's, it's, God's, God's doing a good work. Amen? Amen. And he's not finished. It's like he, he says, I'll complete what I started. He's going to complete what he began in us. So I pray today, Father, by the Holy Spirit, you'd take this word, make it one that we can apply in our day-to-day practical lives here in this world um, on whatever level it needs to be applied. But God, that your word today would come and would fuel us to go forward in the purposes of God, in the upward call of God on our lives. And God, to know that because of Jesus, our heart is clean and that you're forming that holiness in us, God, that makes us like you. And we thank you for that process, even if we resist at times when it is mm, counter to our self-will. God, we thank you for that, that holiness being formed in us, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I want to read, I, I want to tie today's message to where I was, uh, uh, the series I was doing in July. And, uh, but I want to, um, kind of cap it with this final message. So if you would open your Bibles um, or read from up here, Acts chapter 2, verses 36 to 40, and then I'm also going to uh, read another passage right with that. Uh, Acts chapter 2, 36 to 40. Therefore, this is Peter speaking, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him, Jesus, both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, They were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and your children, and for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And with many other words, he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, Be saved from this perverse generation. Okay? Now, the same guy that was speaking those words, Peter, uh, wrote these words uh, years later. And I'm going to just read one short passage uh, that Peter says... uh, the same person they heard preach on the day of Pentecost that we just read, here's, here's what Peter writes to the church years later. As to this salvation, this is verse 10 of 1 Peter uh, 1. As to this salvation, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful search and inquiry, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating, as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Things into which angels long to look. Now that's 
kind of amazing to me because that is exactly what just happened on the day of Pentecost. Here's the Holy Spirit sent from heaven comes on these guys and now here's Peter preaching the gospel to them. This message about Jesus Christ. There and he even lays out this is the one that God had been promising. He lays that out on Pentecost. He continues. Therefore gird your minds for action. Keep sober in spirit. Fix your hope completely on the grace to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He means the final revelation. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in your ignorance. But like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior. Because it is written, you shall be holy for I am holy. Wow, what a word. What a word. Like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, all your conduct, because it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. Okay. Back to Acts chapter 2. And I'm going to... Try my best, even if we have to stay here all afternoon to finish this. Yeah, that's right. The the day of Pentecost, the church is birthed and launched uh, on this uh, special uh, day for the Jewish nation, the day of Pentecost. The church is birthed, it's launched. 120 followers of Jesus are praying um, devotedly, passionately, continually after spending 40 days uh, with Jesus. And now he wasn't there the whole 40, but he kept visiting them during that time. And it's at, after his crucifixion and resurrection. It says, after several encounters with him, they are, well, they call them convincing proofs in the first chapter of the book of Acts. Many convincing proofs that it really was Jesus alive from the dead. He, they, they've come now to be convinced Jesus really has conquered death. The guy that keeps meeting with us in these supernatural encounters is the same guy we walked with for those years. He really has conquered death. He was amazing in his three years of ministry prior to his uh, suffering and crucifixion. Then he showed himself alive from the dead after that by many convincing proofs. They called him Lord before his death and resurrection. But now, he's, he's Lord on another level. He's Lord of all. He shows himself at the end of the book of Matthew, and it says, All authority in heaven and in earth has been given to me. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, our pastor Mel, not Mel Mullen, was pointing uh, to this truth a couple of weeks ago that Jesus came and did the saving work that we needed and couldn't do for ourselves so that we could be put in right relationship with God. But he didn't just do the saving work, that work. He's not just the Christ, the Savior. He's the Lord. Amen. The one who from this point forward has all authority in heaven and earth. He's, he, he doesn't just give us forgiveness and new life. 
He's the Lord we walk with, we obey, we trust, we enjoy, we love forever. The Lord, the one who's got all authority. He's not just my buddy. Really, when we sing a song like Holy, 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 I'm aware that God is other. He's transcendent. He's not just like us, but a little bit better. He's out of all proportion. He's, he's not just a pal. And I, I know that that can be, at times, uh, overemphasized so that we forget that God is imminent. He comes close. He wants close, intimate relationship with us. But he never is a God that I don't need to revere. He's never just like me or just like us. He's not my buddy. He's highly exalted in glory and majesty, power and holy perfection. All around his throne, uh, Revelation chapter 4, I think it's verse uh, 13 or 18, it says these creatures are going around all continuously. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And I don't think they're just being repetitive like, you know, like music is today, where we're, they're just repeating a little ditty. I think it's because every time they go around, they're like, another aspect of his glory, another aspect of his majesty. Oh, we'll never tire of of looking at how beautiful and glorious he is. So he's Lord. Okay, now, this promise of the Holy Spirit baptizing his followers, the promise that Jesus gave in Acts chapter 1, he said, not many days from now, the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out on you, and you'll know the reality of this promise that I come to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. That promise has been fulfilled here in Acts chapter 2. We're, we didn't read it at the beginning, but they're all together in one place praying. Suddenly the house is filled with the, this sound like a, a rushing wind. Tongues of fire land on everybody. They're filled with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is poured out. In the process of Peter explaining this phenomenon, this uh, extraordinary phenomenon, these people that we read in Acts 2, who it says they were pierced to the heart, these people, uh, they recognize something is up. Peter's explaining it, and he, where does it go? He explains what the phenomenon is, and it all has to do with Jesus. And so when they hear the message of Jesus, something resonates in their hearts, and they know they have to respond. That's, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? We crucified Christ. We crucified Jesus. What must we do? Something resonated that there's a response that's absolutely necessary here. And these people kind of cry out, what is it to be? What does Peter say? Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins in Christ's name. And in so doing, he doesn't say in so doing, but he says, do that and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The first 120 disciples, of whom Peter and the 11 were left, and they had chosen a a 12th to replace Judas, they were the people who walked with Jesus for three to three and a half years. 
Not all of them the exact same length of time, but they had walked with him. They had been around. They had seen his miracles. They had heard his answers to everything. They saw how he did one glorious thing after another, how he said, no, I'll walk right through the trouble. It's not my time. And he would do it. Nobody could lay a finger on him till it was his time. And then, they, so they saw him amazing in life. And they didn't all scatter. They took some of the heat. They, they bore the fear of, uh-oh, are they coming for us next? Is it us next? They saw him suffer and die the gruesome death of the cross. They saw all of that. And they didn't scatter and just say, oh, forget it, it's all over. No, they stayed. And it says, if you back up in the book of Acts, they continued to devote themselves to prayer together. 120 of them. About 120. So they've been through some of the fire and the rain with Jesus. They've endured seeing the, you know, the, the challenges. And they've proven, I would say, a degree of commitment. Even Peter, even after denying Jesus, he comes back when he hears it's Jesus on the shore. He casts off, you know, and launches out into the water and gets there before anybody else. He's got to get close to Jesus. There's a, that's commendable. We, you know, denying Jesus, not good. Seeing the one that he denied there and making his way to him at all costs. I don't care what happens. I'm getting close to Jesus again. He does this. They've shown, they've kind of proven themselves a little bit. So surely when Peter says to these people who only, you know, they crucified him. Surely he doesn't really mean it's that simple that all they have to do is repent, turn, be forgiven. And then they'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. He must mean they have to do something else to qualify, right? Wrong. He just says, repent, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you. That's it. You shall receive the gift of the, the, the promise is for you. The promise is He says that to the people that he just said are the ones that crucified Christ. Wow, how generous is God? Pretty generous. I just read a book while we were on vacation called The Prodigal God. And, you know, we think of the prodigal son parable as being about, you know, a guy that goes out and lives um, wickedly. And, you know, he spends all of his money. Well, it's kind of funny. It says he goes out and he... Loose living, his elder brother says when he comes back, I find it a little bit funny, his elder brother says, oh, to his father, you're throwing a party for him? He just got back. He hasn't done anything to sort of prove himself to the family. He just came back repentant, and you're ready to throw a a party for him? The fatted calf, really, which was something set apart for, you know, really special occasions. He says, he, this guy who's wasted his money on prostitutes, it's funny, it doesn't say anything about prostitutes before that. And I think, what, did he send him a postcard or something? You know, like, I think it's funny. You know, he assumed something that may be true, but the idea of him being the prodigal, the the parable is actually mistitled because the son was was prodigal in well, or prodigious in he was wasteful in you know all of this stuff, but the father was actually the one that was overly generous with what he had. When he came back, it was the father who was the prodigal. Prodigal doesn't mean loose living. 
It might, I mean, I just mean fast and loose with your money, but the father was the, prod, was the prodigious one, the prodigal in the story. And here's the father saying, through Peter, well, what do we have to do? We crucified Christ. Well, you, what you have to do is turn, be forgiven for your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit because the promise is for you. Yeah. Uh, what and what, what hoops? There's a catch. This is like a, you know, a telemarketer. You're not giving me the whole story. I know there's something more. There's, you know, you're, you're just giving me the, the little, you know, the email that comes and says, there's a man in Nigeria that has $40 million. And somehow my email came up. And all I have to do is send, you know, certain things. Praise the Lord. And this was in my junk mail. I almost missed it. You know, how did that happen? You know, no, that's there's a that's a scam. Here it's just you no. Know, what you need to do is repent, be forgiven, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Really, God, it's that easy. You're accepting the prodigals back that easy. Yep. You turn, and it isn't just a momentary emotion that, oh, I feel bad about Jesus having such a rough go, so I'm going to turn. No, repentance really does mean I had a change of mind, a change of heart, and a change. I'm, I'm turning from that to here. God knows when that's the real deal. He knows it. So here's, here's Peter saying, the promise is for you. It's even for your kids. And then he says, for all who are far off. Those who aren't even, they haven't even heard yet and aren't responding. The promise is for them. Now, it doesn't mean they're getting the benefit of it yet, but it's there. And it's like God is sending his word out and he's already marked that, oh, some are going to turn. Some are going to hear this thing. And in the same way, they'll be pierced to the heart. And it's like, it'll resonate. I need to respond to that word. And the promise is there waiting for them. It's already been done and it's waiting for them. Just like what Christ did for us. It was already waiting there before we responded to it. So then we find, oh, we hear it. Now we respond and we get the benefit of it. It's that easy. Those who aren't even close yet, he's more generous than us. Amen. We're we're like in in sometimes we're like the elder brother in the prodigal um, parable. We're like the wait a minute, they gotta pay some dues here. Well we need them to pay some dues. Like you did? Uh, well no, but I was different, you know. No. It's like the promise is there. Okay. Let me carry on so I get this finished um, by one o'clock. Um be repent and let each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promise is for you and for your children for all who are far off as many as the Lord shall call to himself and with many other words he solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them saying be saved wait from this perverse generation. That phrase is in the New Testament in a bunch of places. And at times, much of the time, I think I skip right past it and don't realize. Be saved from my sins, yes. But my sins make me 
uh, part of the collective perverse generation. And you think, oh, perverse, that sounds a little bit harsh. Okay, Some, it's often also called an evil generation, if you want. How about evil? How about instead of perverse, what the word, what perverse means is twisted. Here's something that's straight and direct or true this way, something that's twisted, that's something perverse. You don't build a house with perverse uh, studs in it because what will happen? That house won't hold. You want something true, straight, like that. God says, be saved from this twisted, evil generation. Be saved from that, okay? All right, I, I want to look at a few key words in this passage that draw out a few essential aspects of life in Christ in general and the promise and coming of the Holy Spirit specifically. Number one, back to verse 36, sort of ties in to where we've, well, it does tie in to where we've already been, but uh, verse 36, he says, let all the house of Israel know that God has made him Lord and Christ. Verse 37, when they heard this, they were pierced to the heart. One of the things that the Holy Spirit does is he's already working in people before they're saved. Thank God he comes in and dwells in us when we're saved. But thank God that he's working on people before they've turned to Christ. In fact, if the Holy Spirit wasn't doing it, nobody would be saved. He's the one, it says in um, John chapter 16, who convicts the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. But he convicts. So here's the Holy Spirit poured out on the day of Pentecost. These people start speaking in tongues. They get up. Peter preaches. The people say, what is this? He preaches the gospel under the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. And because he does that, people get convicted of their sin. It's a little bit different than just, you know, prior to that, Peter was scared. He was just hiding out. Now he's preaching the gospel with the Holy Spirit there, and people get convicted. It goes somewhere that it can't go without that. I've experienced that, where I've said something to a person that seemed like a pretty you know, benign kind of thing. And yet the Holy Spirit took it and made, you know, somebody came back to me one time, this lady that I worked with, she was my manager, and she said something about, oh, why are you so happy today? I said, oh, because my Heavenly Father loves me. And, uh, you know, it sounds kind of cheesy, but she came to me a few days later, and I thought, gee, that's my boss. Maybe that was sort of, disrespectful to kind of say that to her and uh oh no no I, and the part that I thought was disrespectful she said to me oh well, he must not be loving me because I'm sure not feeling that joy and he said oh no he's loving you he's not loving him back and then I thought my boss you know <laughs> you're not loving God enough you know and she came to me days later and said I couldn't shake that Good. and she got saved Amen. she got saved it's like hey praise the Lord it seemed like a fairly you know thing but God can take something and convict somebody and the Holy Spirit is working on people that aren't even saved yet not just those that are saved then he's working on these people he brings conviction that points to repentance not just oh I feel guilty 
but oh, I, I got to do something about this. I'm convicted about my sin. Thank God for that. They say they knew something was wrong with them. The Holy Spirit does that. Did he do it in anybody in this room? Where you felt like, I'm aware that something's wrong in me. And it, it keeps pulling you closer to God. Something's not right. Something's not lining up. I need something. We come. Peter doesn't keep them guessing. He says, repent, be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. Conviction, repentance, and forgiveness of sins. The Holy Spirit does that work. So let's pray. Uh, here's a point of application. Let's pray. As often as we think about it, daily, weekly, let's pray for the Holy Spirit to do this convicting work in Richmond and in Surrey and in the Lower Mainland, in the people, in the circles where we are, in our workplace, everywhere. Let's pray for the Holy Spirit to convict people, to prepare them so that when the time is right and we speak a word, that, hey, it finds a place to go off in somebody's heart and to bring about that change. Pray for Conviction in yourself. Say, Holy Spirit, I want you to convict me. I I don't want to be walking in presumption or in, um, you know, hidden faults, as David says in uh, Psalm 19. I want to be convicted of what's wrong, of of anything that keeps me kind of isolated from you. Here's Peter, in effect, saying, and there's an old song called Come As You Are. God is saying, in effect, come as you are. But, don't stay as you are. The Holy Spirit calls us as we are to come close to Christ and then change us. If you don't want to change, don't come. Don't come to Jesus. Don't get near him. If you don't want to change, that's that's the last place in the universe you want to be. Okay, number two. So number one, the Holy Spirit convicts and he does work even in unbelievers that work of conviction and he keeps doing it in believers to change us to bring us to the place of recognizing something's wrong and reaching for change okay number two holy spirit salvation begins when the sins that separate us from god are forgiven that's where we sort of the threshold we recognize our sins separate us When we're forgiven, we cross that threshold into new life in Christ. Verse 38, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit when we're born again or regenerated. Uh, Is The term, it just means we start over. We get to start over. It's it's not, I remember in my walk with Christ when I realized the term born again, because now you hear it, oh, I'm a born again, you know, Mercedes driver or something like, you know, or some silly thing like it's born again in everything. But born again believer, follower of Christ, is not a religious term. It's a descriptive of, of reality. I was one guy. He was crucified with Christ. I got a new life. I'm born again into a new life. It's, it's the real deal. The Holy Spirit comes into us to live. When, we're, when our sins are forgiven and washed away, He comes in to live in us. God is holy. The Father is holy. God the Son, He's even called in Acts chapter 4. They, they're praying and they say, Your holy servant, Jesus. Jesus is holy. And we call the Spirit of God the Holy Spirit. When we come to Christ, 
we get the Spirit of God in us, and He is holy. The same way that we're singing, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, like He's up there enthroned, also, holy God, He's inside here, the living, holy God. Nothing, no pollutant, no taint, nothing out of line, out of order. The Holy Spirit is in us. Not something just a bit better than us, but someone who is perfectly holy. Every follower of Jesus is indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Everyone who has confessed Jesus as Lord has the Holy Spirit living in them. And he's at work in us, not just to make us better ministers or, you know, his servants and those things, but also to transform us, to make us holy like him, to make us God-like, Christ-like. That you, If you take out of the New Testament the passages that talk about, the, about God renewing us, transforming us, sanctifying us, you have to cut out so much of the New Testament it would be a waste of time to look at it. He's not done with us when we cross the threshold of forgiveness of sins. No, then the Holy Spirit is championing Christ-likeness in us. It says without holiness we won't see the Lord. Well, that's frightening. Revelation 4.8 They're going around the throne saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. And those who come to him are wearing white robes representing the righteousness of the saints, which is the outworking of inner holiness, of something that's been transformed. uh, I won't read all of these passages, but there are several when you take like the passage in 1 Peter where he says, Be holy in all your behavior. Be holy. There's a verse to think about in the morning. Be holy in all your behavior. When you put the, the keys in the ignition of the car, uh-oh. <laughs> you know, there's something about that glass and being in that vehicle that it's easy to forget that holiness is incumbent upon the followers of Christ. Um, Ephesians uh, 5, 26 and 27, it says Jesus is preparing his bride, sanctifying her and washing her so he can present her to himself holy and blameless. That's his bride means his people. Holy and blameless people. That's happening. Ephesians 1, 4 says God chose us in Christ that we should be holy. We can keep going, perfecting holiness in the fear of the Lord. 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 3, 13. At Christ's coming, that we may be found blameless in holiness. That's what God is doing. He put the Holy Spirit in us so that we could be made holy. What is holiness? It means separation to God. Separation from sin and separation to God. That's what it that's what the word actually means to be separate to be set apart for God set apart from impurity and sin set apart for God the transformation that God is accomplishing in us in you and me 
And all who receive Christ is comprehensive. It's not just, we're not comparing ourselves to one another. It's, he's calling us to a radical, comprehensive transformation. Amen? That's, that is the Bible. And that requires more than just a visit with God now and then. So he puts the Holy Spirit in us so that he's at work in us all the time. Even when we're sleeping. And I don't mean every dream I have is of God. But I have dreams where I'm convicted in my dream that I'm in sin. I have dreams where I choose God. I have dreams where I don't choose God. The Holy Spirit is working in us all the time. He's working to transform us. He's, he's in us when we're awake, when we're at work, when we're at home, when we're uh, you know, doing recreation. The Holy Spirit lives in us full time because the work is full time. It's comprehensive. Jesus prepared his followers, and we're wrapping, uh, we're, we're coming in for a landing. Jesus prepared his followers for the working of the Holy Spirit before his crucifixion. He was saying things again and again like, when he comes, when the Holy Spirit comes, when the Spirit of truth comes, when the helper comes, when some translations say the counselor, he was preparing them for the Holy Spirit's transforming work in them and in us. And it's not a drudgery either. It's it really, the, the idea of holiness being a drag is the devil's lie. In the Psalms, you see this term used, I'll worship you in the beauty of holiness. Now that might be talking about the beauty of his holiness, it's inconclusive because some translations even have it. I'll worship you in holy array, meaning I'm the the picture is like the priests of the Old Testament putting on these garments that were set apart for holy purposes. They weren't used. In fact, it was they would be stoned if they wore those garments out of the tabernacle. They that that those garments were for in the tent when they were performing the service for God. They weren't to wear them outside. That kind of thing. They, had, they, were, they were holy garments. And we come worshiping God. And holiness is not a drag. Jesus says this. It's not a drudgery. The Holy Spirit is called the helper. Well, hey, that's not a drag. I, somebody who's there to help you, that's a good thing, right? Right? He's the spirit of adoption. Hey, that's a good thing. That's a good thing. He's the comforter. Well, who doesn't need that? Who doesn't want someone to comfort? He's called the spirit of truth. That's not a drag. He comes bringing the truth. Not just a hard truth that means everything you do. It's like, ah, ah, ah. Here's, here's what it ought to be. But the truth that says, here's the truth of the love of God for you. Oh, okay, well, I'll take that. Here's the truth of how good God is. Here's the truth of the promises of God. He'll come as the helper. He'll come as the advocate, the one who pleads for us, the, our go-between. Um, he, it says, he'll come as the helper to be with us forever. 
He'll teach us and bring to our remembrance Jesus' words. He'll testify all about Christ to us. Paul says in Romans 8, 16, the Holy Spirit will bear witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So when you're having a struggle and wondering, oh, my faith is weak or maybe I'm not being pleased, and he comes along and he says, I want to assure you that you are God's daughter. Oh man, that's not a drudgery. That's the Holy Spirit doing that. Doing that kind of a work in us. That doesn't stink. Somebody say amen. He'll guide us into all the truth and reveal to us things to come. Things that pertain to Jesus and the Father and so much more. The Lord, back to Acts chapter 2. He says, the promise is for you and your children, for all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call to himself. And with many other words, Peter solemnly testified and kept on exhorting them, saying, be saved from this perverse generation. It says the Lord calls us to himself. He calls us to himself. He's holy. His environment is holy. There's no sin where he is there is not even temptation of sin and his home his temple everything about it it says he's building us together as a holy temple where he can dwell by his spirit his surroundings are holy I wish there was time to draw out the reality that being near or with him in his absolute perfect holiness will not be a drag that We'll leave it at that for now. God is creative. He's the creator. He's beautiful. There's diversity of color and texture, nature, sound, music, laughter, love, joy, power, wonder, pleasure, delight, excitement, hope, order, goodness. All of those are the Things that come from our holy God. The idea that holiness is restrictive. Oh no, it's, it's been flipped on us by the enemy who hates our soul and wants to keep us away from Jesus. It's a lie. The good stuff is with God. The good stuff is with God. Music comes from him. He's the one that had the idea. I don't want to be irreverent, but sex came from him. Sex is good, and sex comes from God, not the devil. Now, all of a sudden, everybody's uncomfortable. Are you (laughs) talking about, yeah, no, no, it came from him. The devil's a liar that the good stuff comes from him. And that God in his holiness is starchy and rigid and lifeless and colorless. What? Um, That is the epitome of a hellish lie. When we step into what those creatures going around God saying, Holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty. To think the lie that we'll be sitting on a cloud with a stinking little harp. Bored out of our minds for eternity. Oh my goodness. That is going to be so far from reality. That it, 
it is laughable when you think about it. The God who created uh, this incredible natural world. And this isn't as good as it's going to get. Okay, don't, be, don't feel awkward again, but sex is not the highest thing in the universe. It's not even the highest thing in the world, but it's being promoted that way. But when you have a family member, you know, in the hospital dying of lung cancer or something, suddenly things get viewed in a proper placement, right? I want to spend time with that person. That's Here's the living God. All of the things that seem like they're at the top of the heap here are going to be amplified. The, the good God hasn't even given us the full revelation of what there is. There's, there's more. He gives us even in his word, pictures of things that we can relate to so we can kind of stretch. But I've said this before. I love that C.S. Lewis said, there are realities in God that we get close to it, but it's like then the, the, the clarity of it, the reality is just over the horizon and we can't quite see it. I love that picture. Because to me, that's what it's like. It's like, Okay, God, I, I feel the reality of your great love and I see like this world is so magnificent and you are magnificent and you made it and I trust you and I want more and I trust that when we get there, there will be no disappointment. I am absolutely convinced of that. We will not be bored. We won't be disappointed. We'll be like, wow. We'll be joining those weird creatures that are saying, holy, holy, holy. And we'll be like, whoa. And I'm going to be looking at Ryan and saying, we're here, man. I, I look at him. You know, it's like we're going to be blown away. Right now, we don't have the capacity for it. We can't even see God as he is or we'd die. He says, no one will see my face and live. It's like, oh, I can't take it. Expire. No, not there. We'll be somehow, you know, uh, outfitted in our new body and, you know, our new freedom to be able to take it in. And when we do that, holy God is going to be visible to us and we'll get it. We'll get it. We'll be with those things just saying, oh, you're right. Look at him. Holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, I want the Holy Spirit to continue to transform me, sanctify me, outfit me for that world and the glory that is to be revealed. God, pour out your Holy Spirit again today. Take us closer. Reveal more of yourself to us. God, I, I pray that wherever in this room there's a struggle with faith, that even the truth of your word, if there's one word from this that could be just that sort of bomb going off in our hearts to just obliterate unbelief and uh, that um, sort of shroud that wants to in some way obscure a clear vision of the holy God that we, um, that saved us and the God that we love and live for and the God who loves us. God, 
Would you make it clear today? Would you pour out your spirit? Bless your people, God. I pray you'd make your face to shine on us all through this week. That you'd give us peace in Christ. That you'd encourage. That, Holy Spirit, you'd come and do the good work that you started. Complete the good work you started. In Jesus' name. Amen.